Welcome to The Scientist Speaks, a podcast produced by the Scientists Creative Services team. Our podcast is by scientists and for scientists. Once a month, we bring you the stories behind newsworthy molecular biology research. Sequencing the human genome in the early 2000s was an incredible feat, but the sequence was incomplete, excluding almost 10% of the genome that consists of compacted DNA. Recently, a consortium of researchers published a telomere to telomere assembly of a complete human X chromosome. This accomplishment was made possible by advances in sequencing technology, allowing researchers to address the previous technical difficulties in analyzing challenging genomic regions. Filling in the gaps of these previously unexplored parts of the human genome represents a breakthrough in human genetics and opens the door to a wealth of future studies that will undoubtedly advance our understanding of health and disease. In this episode, Iris Kolbatsky from the Scientist Creative Services team spoke with Karen Miga, an assistant professor of biomolecular engineering at University of California Santa Cruz's Genomics Institute, and a recent honoree on Time's list of the 100 most influential people of 2022, to learn more. The widely held belief that the human genome was fully sequenced in 2003 is inaccurate. Researchers involved in the Human Genome Project sequenced the entirety of the human genome that was technically possible at the time, the uncoiled, loosely dispersed DNA called euchromatin. The remaining critical 10% of tightly packed, highly repetitive DNA near the middle and ends of chromosomes, known as heterochromatin, eluded researchers for almost two decades. The debate among geneticists about the significance of these unsequenced regions, along with the technical difficulties of sequencing them, stalled progress. In 2018, in a quest to unravel the mystery of these previously indefinable regions of DNA, Karen Miga led the formation of the Telomere to Telomere Consortium, an international team of research collaborators with the combined technical skills and conviction to finish the last remaining chapter of the book that tells the primal story of what it means to be human. We're so used to opening a textbook and looking down and seeing genes and promoters and different parts of our genomes. But there are parts where It's almost like there's a stutter or there's a sequence. These are called hand and repeats or satellite DNA. All of our DNA is wrapped around like threads on a wooden spool of that way around things called nucleosomes or or a set of proteins. And these proteins can have marks to distinguish them one from the other. And heterochromatin is just one type of mark. These regions are closed or less prone to being open. And regions of our genome are open are the active areas of our genome. And the closed areas, these heterochromatic areas, are typically silenced, quiet, compact. When you were to knock off the proteins and stretch it out, they're typically defined by these long chains of tandem repeats. It's almost like you take a stretch of sequence, let's say 100 bases, and then you kind of copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. And that sequence can change slightly between copies, but it's more or less a tandem repetitive region that is just massive. And those are usually closed or silenced in the genome and, and contained in these heterochromatic regions. The goal of the first human genome project was to sequence the gene-rich areas of the human genome, the 90% of genes that are actively involved in protein production. The tightly packed, repetitive regions of DNA were historically considered to be gene-poor, and so were not prioritized. Researchers also didn't have the technical means to read the DNA bases in these tightly compacted regions. Miga spent her entire career fascinated by these mysterious repetitive regions, which are found near the centromeres and telomeres of chromosomes, the middle and end caps, respectively. It was just crazy to me 
that the structure in human plants, insects, mammals is a common genomic feature of genomes. And the fact that we didn't fully understand why these large tandem repeat domains were in existence was just mind boggling. We know for some of them that they're incredibly important to understanding centromere functions. Centromeres are the points where the spindle attaches every single time our cells divide. In other words, it's part of the pulley system that allows our chromosomes to segregate properly. If you have an error in these regions, you can have more or less chromosomes and that can lead to cell death, aneuploidies, cancer, and all these really horrible things. Understanding that genomic region in great detail has always been a Herculean challenge just to see the sequence, let alone understand how these proteins bind to these regions and how it works. As technological advancements allowed researchers to read longer and longer stretches of DNA, Miga and her colleague Adam Philippi decided over pizza in 2018 to seize the opportunity and team up to tackle this challenge. Together, they formed the Telomere to Telomere Consortium, a massive collaborative effort of researchers from across the globe that set out to fill in the missing gaps of the human genome. We didn't have a grant. I wasn't even an assistant professor at the time. We just cobbled together funds to make it happen. Adam was able to do a lot of sequencing at NIH. Then our first target was to complete one chromosome end-to-end. We created a website the night before his talk when he presented this work to a scientific community. We said, we are going to finish a genome. Who wants to join us? It was completely grassroots. We had people join us from all over the world, all different levels of training. We had first-year grad students to seasoned PIs that were involved in the first human genome project. The technical breakthrough that enabled this was the ability to perform long-read sequencing. Researchers working on the first human genome project were restricted to reading relatively short sequences of DNA, like reading a sentence at a time in a book. The development of long-read technology allowed researchers to delve beyond the 1,000 bases that could be read at once. This improved the efficiency of sequencing workflows over the years and allowed researchers to study the repetitive sequences in highly compact regions of the genome, sequences that repeated the same 150 bases until they were millions of bases long. Advances in bioinformatics and computational biology also allowed MIGA and members of the consortium to make mathematical predictions based on the generated sequencing data and analyze the accuracy of these predictions. The sequences were entered into common computational databases and servers for data analysis and validation. Working groups of researchers from around the world assembled virtually to apply their collective expertise in annotation, genetics, assembly, and quality assessment to interpret and contextualize the repetitive region's initial sequencing data. The analogy is if you're working with a puzzle of 5,000 pieces, you're starting to put together some of the easiest parts of the puzzle. Maybe it's the barn scene or someone's face is the first place you'd go. But these blue sky pieces are really difficult to put together at that level. What long reads gave us is that we were able to see tens of thousands of faces at once. So all of a sudden we were working with a big 100 piece puzzle. Now these blue sky regions were big enough to touch, for example, a tree or some other distinguishing mark that made it easier to put them together and actually reconstruct correctly. The most exciting part for me is that we now have these complete and accurate maps for the first time. And that's going to drive so much new discovery. I remember reading a report about a researcher who was working on the first human genome project and how excited they were about seeing the sequence for the first time they felt like an explorer. That really resonated with me because it was just this moment of pure joy being able to see these regions 
I was the first human to ever see these sequences and knowing the promise that they're going to have, the excitement of what they could share with new discoveries in the future that made it all worthy. What MIGA and the Telomere to Telomere Consortium accomplished is truly extraordinary. Approximately 200 million previously undiscovered bases are now publicly available, representing an exciting starting point for new research avenues that promise to enrich our basic understanding of the genome as well as human health and disease. The previously incomplete gene catalogs now contain nearly 2,000 new gene predictions, providing a more fulsome understanding of the human genome, including the organization, activity, and regulation of gene families that underlie certain human disorders. I think that's exciting to see a gene of interest that could be involved in a human disease or human health. And I think for the centromeres, there's a lot of unanswered questions. What does the genomic organization at these different centromeric regions, how does that influence the stability of the centromeres, the function of the centromeres, and how that contribute to human disease? And there are genes that are embedded within the centromeric regions. As we were talking earlier, they're open versus closed regions of the genome and these kind of peculiar regulation of this genome that tells cells you're one cell type or another. And, and the fact that there are genes embedded in these regions, if they're being expressed or regulated, like what are they doing? Is these new mysteries that could also be of interest, I think, to the broader community. Using her vast experience and knowledge from the Telomere to Telomere Consortium, Mika already has her sights set on new research horizons. As director of the Data Production Center for the Human Pan-Genome Reference Consortium, she's passionate about creating a genome sequencing resource that acknowledges the extraordinary genetic diversity of individuals across the world. In doing so, she hopes to address global challenges of health equity. It's a dream come true to seeing these sequences, but that's literally square one. My lab will start to develop more and more tools to look at how these sequences vary between individuals, how they're regulated, or how they contribute to human disease. Having a finished genome is insufficient to helping us understand our human population, where we understand there's a tremendous amount of diversity. The goal is to expand or broaden our human reference maps to encapsulate at least 350 diverse individuals that represent genomes sampled from around the world. And then we can have a better spectrum of human variation. When we reach that goal, it's going to be an incredibly proud moment again. How can we better study human genomes, not one genome, but many genomes, to ensure that we can cast the greatest benefit to humans around the world? Thank you for listening to The Scientist Speaks. This episode was produced by the Creative Services Team for The Scientist and narrated by Iris Kulatsky. Please join us next month as we learn about tracking RNA decay and the mechanisms controlling RNA fates. To keep up to date with this podcast, follow The Scientist on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.